The opinions expressed on this program are those of the host or guest and should not be interpreted as statement of fact. Independent fact-checking and corrections are encouraged. Can we get a cup of coffee in here, please? made the coffee again today folks so it's not really damn good coffee it's hot but it's not damn good which is kind of depressing uh good morning it is tuesday it feels like uh man i don't know i'm exhausted i am exhausted and it's only tuesday morning it is tuesday july 12th 2022 and uh man somebody stole my mojo Anyway, um, Naomi is actually here already, which is a good thing. Generally, as you know, the co-hosts don't come on until 9.30. But today, uh, as I just mentioned, I'm fucking tired. (laughs) So it's good to have her to talk to. I'll bring her in in a minute. Uh, Just a couple of uh, things I want to talk about. We are all this week. um, Oh, she just left. Maybe she'll be back. I don't know. uh, she can't hear anything. Well, that's 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 unusual. Anyway, uh, well, we're off to a flying start. Good morning, Carl. There's fear and darkness all around you, criminals. That well, wait, let's see what 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 is he writing here? There's fear and darkness all around you, criminals that kill seven women and put them in a hall are on the run. There's no use in hiding in the dark, but hunt you down because he's a dog. Wait, wh- where did this come from? What is this, Carl? I don't know what this means uh and uh i feel like you've probably you're probably having a breakdown of some sort but that's fine uh i didn't naomi if you can you can hear me just give me a signal back there give me a ah cool uh naomi stars here as i mentioned i'm not used to co-hosts showing up at 9 a.m generally it's 9 30 but today Maybe she's psychic. Maybe she realized dog's going to need a little help today. He's looking kind of tired. He's a dragon dog. These are the dog days of summer. And it's hot and humid here, but that's not why I'm complaining. I'm complaining because I'm tired. It feels like it's already Friday and it's only Tuesday. Uh, But we'll get through it. And today should be a very interesting day. Jeff Dwoskin, uh, conversations with what a classic conversations with Jeff Dwoskin. He keeps changing the name of his show, which is very frustrating for me. Anyway, Naomi's here now. Let me bring Naomi in, and we'll we'll say good morning to her, and hopefully get this uh, car rolling down the hill. Good morning, Naomi. Good morning. How are you guys? Uh, how are you? You're up way early, and I appreciate you being here. But co-hosts generally don't come on until nine thirty. But uh, thank God you're here because I am feeling weak. My wife makes. I'm it tired weak. too. I could come back at nine thirty. <laughs> <laughs> well, you're here now. I'm holding you hostage. Um, so, uh, how are things out out west? Uh, you having a heat wave out there? 
Yeah, it was like 110 yesterday. 110. Oh, my God. I'm complaining about it's only 80 here, but it's very humid. Very humid. And uh, I'm complaining about it. But I, that's what I do. I'm a complainer. <laughs> anyway, uh, what's going on with you, uh, comedy-wise? you doing any shows? Um, I have a show on the 22nd and then a fashion show on the 23rd. Fashion show? What kind of what kind of, what is that all about? Tell me about that. It's a uh, condom couture to raise awareness for safe sex. For safe sex? Yeah. <laughs> we aren't we're, weren't aware that safe sex is. I don't know. I'm confused. <laughs> awareness for safe sex, like people should have safe sex, and, and uh, it's a- yeah, it's a condom couture. So they like make they're gonna make clothes out of condoms and. Oh, cool! <laughs> and, stuff, and then I'm gonna do a comedy bit, and that's that's that. Wow, um, are you at all interested in what's going on in uh, the world of politics with this January sixth stuff that's going on today? I am not aware. Oh, good, good for you, good for you. Um, I wish I could not be aware sometimes, but because because it it it's a kind of a it it gets to be a drag. All this stuff that constantly going on in the country where uh, we feel like we have two different countries happening at once here and, and people just angry all the time over it. But my Twitter is blowing up over it. over Because, uh, you know, Donald Trump is, is freaking out feeling like the walls are, walls are caving in on him and uh, like panicking and it, it's coming out on social media. It's, in a way it is interesting to watch that unfold as uh, billionaires, him and uh, Elon Musk, are in a schoolyard fight of name calling now on social media. And for me, oh wow, yeah, <laughs> it's fun to watch. Um, so today, Jeff Dwoskin, who is uh, out of Detroit, is my guest today, and um, Jeff is a a guy who's been a stand up comedian in the Detroit area and is as uh, headlined and, and been around the country, but now has been podcasting for last three months and is obsessed with uh, growing his podcast but he keeps changing the name so every time I have him on I have to look up uh, what what the name of his show is this week so that's that's going to be an interesting thing he'll be here at 10 a.m. Uh, I haven't talked to him in a while and it, it, uh, it, it's always a very interesting conversation with him he's kind of low energy but a uh, very funny guy very funny guy. Gotcha. Uh, Can't wait on, to meet him. When you're on stage, you're not low energy like you are this morning because you're waking up at you're on the air at six a.m. <laughs> I actually have not been asleep, so I have to be to work at nine. So I just like I I got in at like four in the morning. Oh my goodness! <laughs> what are you doing now? Partying or working? <laughs> uh, a little of both. Wow! Wow! Four a.m. I didn't think anybody out west ever did that because the bars are always close. Well, not in Vegas. Nothing ever closes in Vegas. But bars in like L.A. close at two or one. It's a, it, it wasn't like that here. Uh, generally, bars close at 4 a.m. in New York. And so people would party that late. But I never knew anybody out west that, that was <laughs> 4 a.m. Or- I was over a friend's house. I wasn't at the bar. Okay. <laughs> 
still I you know I just don't think of uh what no you're not a west coast you're you're in Vegas what's going on in Vegas uh, anything big happening in Vegas that I don't know about and should know about not that I know of really everything I know of is comedy really yeah uh well what's going on in the world of comedy out there um well we got a show to, tonight at a uh, 18th Ben um, one of my favorite hosts is actually headlining. His name is Steve McAnally, McAnally. And, um, I'll probably go to that. Uh, what else? Not too much like, like big names or anything out here, but. Wow. Yeah. The big thing out there, you know, as far as what, cause I've had quite a few guests out there who uh, not necessarily well-known, like, household names, but people getting residencies at different places out there who generally that was reserved in, in the old days. Anyway, I'm dating myself. But for the star, you know, headlining stars that everybody knew their name, they were household names, they got residencies. Now I'm seeing almost everybody's getting residencies out there. It's like yeah. a thing to do. Yeah, because nobody wants to leave the town. Right. I know Faison Love has one. Linnell had one. Um, there's a new up-and-coming comedian. His name is Trix. I think he has one. I opened up for him before. So it's it's a few. Uh, Marsha, War, Marsha Warfield. Oh, yeah, for, yeah. Wow. How old is she? <laughs> She's my age, no? I don't She's, know your age. What's your age? I'm, six, I'm 63. She's yeah, she's probably around your age. Wow, yeah. Um, so speaking of the fashion stuff, though, you came from from that kind of world, right? You weren't you a hairdresser or something before you got into comedy? Or did I have that wrong? Am I guessing? Uh, yeah, I was a licensed. I'm a licensed cosmetologist. I still what? do hair on the side sometimes. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. Uh, no, I'm still because I I worked in that industry for for a while, and actually, um. They are putting uh, some kind of, I don't know, gala kind of show out on New Mexico uh, in in Nevada, uh, in Las Vegas next week, I believe. The Dinaho was North American uh, Harris Hairdressers Association Awards. Do you go to that? No, I do not. Oh, it is. I actually hate doing hair. <laughs> oh, yeah. I don't blame you. I hated going there, too, when I worked in the industry. It is like... Uh, it's like they're Oscars, but it is, you know, you have to be, you have to be in that world to really appreciate it. To me, it's always, but they make like crazy connections at, out of it. I mean, they have, last time they had some South American band just walk out in the middle of, of the floor in, you know, just in the middle of a award ceremony and put on this like wild show. And, you know, it was really entertaining, but it's, Wait, wait, what does this have to do with hair and all that kind of stuff? Yeah, never. I really haven't gotten into like the hair shows. I used to go to them in Philly when I first went to hair school, but recently I haven't been doing any like hair shows. I did used to go to like the Bonner Brothers one. Wow, yeah. Um, so, uh, with booking comedy, uh, comedy shows out there, do you because uh, last night locally here. And maybe it was just a coincidence, but I saw like three or four places that had just started listening uh, comedy shows that were traditionally music rooms, and it's just, they've never had comedy there before. And all and all, 
three or four of them now just like switched overnight. Not that they're going full comedy, but they're, they're adding comedy to certain nights a week. Um, are you is it comedy clubs at uh, not right it's lounges and stuff like that in casinos or not where, where, where is the well, we have the la comedy club here in the stratosphere um i forgot the other name of the comedy club there's another comedy club um and then a lot of the shows are in like bars and lounges as you said yes wow uh, uh, it's a yeah and uh, do you have a lot of bringer shows? Out? You don't have bringer shows because people coming people coming to Vegas are generally tourist crowds. They're going out anyway, right? So you don't have a lot of bringer shows. A lot of the um, local shows, like with like or private shows, are bringer shows. They want you to bring people with you. Really? I, w- I would think just they have a natural flow of people who are just going out anyway. They just because it's so touristy. Everybody's a tourist. Nobody really lives there, do they? <laughs> It's rare you meet somebody that says, "Hey, I was born and raised in Vegas." Wow. Yeah, very. Yeah, born and raised, but people do uh, reside there. Uh, are you a gambler? <laughs> Sometimes. What would you play? I played a slot. Oh yeah. Well, you know th- th- that's always. I always feel like that's rigged. Because it's a it it's a machine. They they got to be able to control that, and they kind of play with you. They let you win a little, and you bet it all back. And uh, has anybody ever really uh, walked away from a slot machine a big winner? No. no way. Yeah, it happens every day, dog. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Like, come on, because they always put it back once you. So you win. You well, win. actually, I just won like seventeen hundred at the Circle K in two days. Wow, on a slot machine? Yeah, in the Circle K. Okay. Uh, What is the Circle K? That's a hotel? (laughs) No, the Circle K is a gas station. A gas station? (laughs) Yes. Wow. And $1,700 from a slot machine to a gas station. That's got to be pretty cool. Now, it probably took the whole 17 to fill up your tank, right? (laughs) Uh, 18. Yeah. Well, gas prices have been coming down here. I know. And now, you know, getting back into the politics a little bit, people people are complaining that gas prices are dropping too fast because it's going to hurt uh, the mom and pop, uh, the you know, independent gas stations. It's like you can't make anybody happy. The gas prices are too happy. And now they're falling too fast and people are complaining about that. It's just insane, man. <laughs> yeah, they dropped a, a, a little bit. From yeah. six to like five dollars and sixty cents. Oh, that's not a little. That's not a lot. That's that's not enough to complain about. Certainly, at six dollars. We got it at uh, I believe uh, yesterday four twenty five, four dollars and twenty five cents for regular. Yeah, my mom was telling me Delaware was about that much. Yeah. Oh, Delaware. It's, yeah, you're not from Delaware though. You're from Atlanta, right? I'm no, from Philadelphia. I... Oh, you're from Philadelphia. Oh, Born in Brooklyn. Know. Northeast. Oh, Brooklyn. I know Brooklyn. <laughs> Have you been back to Brooklyn recently? Not in years. Yeah. I don't know much about Brooklyn. That's why, like, I know more about Philadelphia. Yeah. Uh, yeah, you don't. Well, Brooklyn's weird now. Cause I was there about a month and a half ago, and I don't get back there a lot. Uh, but it's a very weird place now. It's like... Um, they're trying to modernize it, but it's very it's it's weird. There's like lots of little different religious cults all over the place and all that kind of stuff. 
it's very, very strange. It's an artsy community filled with religious, uh, very uh, prudish people, very uh, stuck up, you know, uh, stuck up is the wrong word. Just tight, conservative, really conservative in their views of the world, very religious, strict. Yeah. It's weird to have that in an arts community because artists are generally, you know, pretty pretty out there and and you know comedians musicians are you know visual artists and all that kind of stuff um so yeah that is what it is you you know about herschel walker herschel walker the ex-football player do you know about him he's an atlanta guy georgia guy <laughs> he's running for something my mom is he's, like yeah. excited that my cousin knows him she was right. just telling me about He's running for for senator in Georgia, and yesterday he he was talking about climate change, and this is what he said: "Since we don't control the air, our good air decided to float over to China's bad air. So when China got our good air, their good air got to move. So it moves over to our good air space. Now we got no clean air to back that up." Oh shit! Oh, shoot. <laughs> No, you can say shit. Okay, okay. <laughs> that sounds uh that doesn't sound too intelligent. No, yeah, no, he he was a football player and I think he got a lot of brain damage, took too many shots to the helmet, and uh he, he says stuff like that. But that was like there's no rationalizing that kind of stuff that statement. It's just like and people were applauding applauded him and all that stuff, but it's just like, are you listening to the words this man is saying? It's like our oh, good air floated over to their bad air, their bad air came over here and now we got no good air to back it up. <laughs> what the fuck are you saying? <laughs> Some gibberish. Yeah. Um uh, this morning on my Facebook page, I think it uh, was somebody that we have in in common, a friend. Uh, he's on the flat earth, flat earth stuff, and he's he started on <laughs> a comedian who says the earth is flat, and anybody who, who says it doesn't know what they're talking about. Um, and then a bunch of co- – and I, know, I have never seen comedians argue. I've been – arguing with flat earth people for a long time and that they were really frustrating to me, like how you can believe that stuff. But comedians now today are engaging in a uh, Facebook battle over uh, flat earth stuff. Do you, you know, I haven't you know. seen that either. <laughs> Have any, any, any thoughts on people who believe the earth is flat now? Uh, I think the earth is round still. <laughs> <It's> still- <laughs> Yeah, I don't. I don't know about the earth being flat. Yeah, no, of course not. No, but it's a, <laughs> it's a major frustration, and they, they get really passionate about it. And and um, I haven't wanna... seen that. This is on Facebook. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> I just blocked them. Well, I didn't block them. I unfriended them because I. It's just like I have no patience for that nonsense. Uh, no, I noticed your uh, tweet you put out last night that I, I thought was very funny, but. Uh, I'm going to say what it is, but uh, not a tweet. It's on Facebook. You, you put out a meme that said, uh, if a man notices the color of your eyes on, on the first date, your titties ain't big enough. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> no, I happen, I happen to be a man who appreciates small titties, so I, I, don't, I don't know if that works for me. It was funny, 
but I don't think it actually works in my case because I I was thinking about that. I'm, I'm a man who likes small titties. <laughs> oh, so you're still staring at the small titties and not the eyes? Right, right. No, it's it's not that it's not that they weren't big enough. They just weren't the right ones. But no, you you were absolutely right in the premise of yeah. You, that's where your eyes are gonna go. It's just not big enough was not my <laughs> thing necessary. I'm a I'm um. I didn't even know you seen my post because you never liked them. I did too. I liked that one last night. Now, you did? I don't see you that often on there. Yeah, you're not you're not on Facebook that often, are you? All day at work because I'm bored. Really? <laughs> what what is the, what is the work? Uh, right now, I work for an online mortgage uh, company, right. and we I find lenders for people looking to refi or like buy, purchase a home or uh, get some equity out. How's that business going? It's it, it's picking up a little bit, but it, it's been in the dumps. Yeah, you know, uh, I'm I'm a little bit uh, worried about the future of home ownership, and, and not because banks are buying everything. In in where I live, whenever a house goes up for sale, before a, a human being can bid on something or, or put an offer on a house, banks are coming up and buying all the properties, and then they want to control all the real estate, which. You know, if if you're in a banking business, it makes a lot of sense because real estate is a sure investment. But I think at some point, you know, they're just going to squeeze people out of the quote American dream of owning a home. Do you own your own home? Or you? No, I do not. I rent an apartment. Yeah, uh, I'm but going the, to own a home. Being in that business, do you see a, 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 like a lot of that kind of stuff where banks are buying houses or not? I find all I do is find lenders for people oh, you, that are oh. looking to refi, get some equity out. And that's of not automatic. You actually have to do that work because I always thought it was automated. Like it would like be like a computer doing a search engine coming back with a bunch of different, just spit out a different a bunch of different lenders to, to give to people. No. Yeah, but I take the the information and verify the information and make sure it's correct, and then based on their credit their estimated credit score then i find them a lender that deals with that type of credit do people lie <laughs> of course we go off their estimate estimation so oh yeah uh, you know they're gonna lie and say their house is worth six hundred thousand and it's only worth 400 but by the time it gets appraised and goes through the lender they'll find out everything they need to know yeah yeah um yeah, so uh, house prices in Vegas, like is six hundred thousand, like a normal price for a home in Vegas. Um, when I was checking at homes, like you can get a really nice home out here in the three hundreds. Wow, I'm curious because um, we had a guest on who was from West Pennsylvania, and he said fifty thousand dollars in the in Western. Western Pennsylvania for a house that in Philly, because he's in Philly now. He said in Philly it'd be like five or six hundred thousand dollars. You go to Western Pennsylvania by Pittsburgh, get the same house for fifty thousand dollars. I was like, that's insane. I don't. You can't buy a doghouse here for fifty thousand dollars. Yeah, I I don't know about that. Yeah. I do know that house. There are some cheap. There is some cheap property in Philly, but um. They're like brewery town. They're buying up all around the temple area and everything. And it's called like brewery town. And those houses are like six, five, six, seven hundred. Yeah. Do you do you get back to Philly a lot or no? 
I haven't been back to Philly since 2015. 2015. Wow, that's a that's a while. Uh, and all that time, most of that time, you've been out in um, in, in Vegas, or do you have other stops along the way? I was in Atlanta, then I was in Florida, then I was in Colorado, then I was in um Wow, you moved Vegas. around a lot. Yeah, then California, then I came back to Vegas. Why are you why why are you such a vagabond? Why are you moving so often? <laughs> well, for if you remember from my interview, I was homeless for a little while. I know, I know that. You living in a car, but not like not living in the street, homeless. Uh, I slept it. on a bench for a little while. Yeah, you did. Wow, <laughs> scary shit, right? Sleeping outside on a bench. I tell you, yeah, you're in your car the, the whole time. Because I know a lot of comedians who've done that, living in their car, going from place to place, find them, you know, people to stay with for a couple of weeks here or there, that kind of stuff. I I thought that was the homeless experience you had, not the actual street experience, because that's a rough. That, that's a scary thing, man. I I've done that. Yeah, couple me times and my son. Yeah. Yeah. Wow. Wow. So and and you maintain a sense of humor through all that. And, and, and... You got to. <laughs> and yeah. I still wouldn't eat even though I was outside on the bench, I still wouldn't eat uh oodles and noodles. <laughs> wow. I refuse. Uh, wow. But I was like, I don't know if you remember when the Jacksonville landing got shot up, that man got mad and um shot up that video game at the Jacksonville landing. Yeah, yeah. I was there and I seen the people running that you know Holy. and yeah, I was living on a bench there. Filled with terror, or, or or was it just like you didn't know what was going on when that happened? Like No, they were saying, you guys got to get out of here. They're shooting. He's shooting. He's shooting. And I was like, I don't have anywhere to go. So, But we were further down from there, but we were on the bench, and we seen the people running and all that. Holy crap, man. I can't imagine. I can't, could you hear bullets? Oh, no. Could, I didn't hear the bullets. Oh. No. All right. Yeah, it's still, you know, New York City last night, they came out with a public service warning, a nuclear attack, uh, what to do What to do when we're attacked by, uh, with, with a nuclear bomb. And it, that to me, that's friggin' bizarre to even come out with like that. But part of what they said was go inside, go inside. <laughs> like, no, I'm going to stand outside and watch nuclear bombs fall. I mean, come on. Uh, do, do people need to work? But walls aren't really going to stop it at all. So first step is to go inside. Then they want you to shut your windows and doors and stay inside uh -huh. and stay put and, and tune in. Like the radios or TV is still going to be working in a nuclear attack. But it's just like, now I'm, wor I'm worried. Now I go up outside to have a smoke last night and I'm thinking... Is this something that I should be con considering? Are they putting this out there for a reason that they know it's about to come? And like, what the hell good is running inside going to do, really? I, I think, you know, nuclear war, you might as well burn up quickly because you're all going to die anyway. They're saying go in the house and take all your clothes off and, and wash your clothes immediately. Like, if you got radiation on you, you're dead. Anyway, you're going to start melting. Things are going to start falling off. It's just crazy shit like that, man. I'm like, oh, my God. we got to worry about uh, nuclear bombs falling. Any thoughts on that? Well, I don't want to think about that now. So. <laughs> well, I don't, think you, I don't think it would be Vegas. I think I would get it where I am. I don't think you'd have to worry about it, which is why they put it in New York City. 
And I'm wondering if it happened in New York, because I'm 90 miles away from the city. I'm wondering if I would even be affected by it. Well, I'd be affected by it, but I don't think necessarily feel it or hear it or know about it right away. I think they gotcha. drop it right, right on Manhattan. <laughs> so have have you uh, done any um, of this bef- on your own? Like, uh, because you expressed interest in, in, in the uh, co-host thing. Have you done any podcasting or, or considered doing your own? I have, um, but I've been on like a lot of radio shows. Like people have me. I just was a guest host on Big Doc Show last week. But I have thought about getting my own podcast and my own radio show. I just, I just haven't got it. I haven't got to it. Good morning, people in the chat room. Kelly is saying, uh, "KC is prime because we're in the middle." I'm running towards it. I don't think KC would be a prime target. I really don't. I mean, if you're going to take out, you got to think of if, if that's happening, they're going to take out something that's going to cost the most money to or, or do the most damage to a country. Um, just because it's in the middle doesn't mean that would be, I don't know about that. I think New York or LA or Chicago would probably, I don't even, can't even believe I'm thinking about this. But New York City put that out there last night and just in the middle of nowhere. And so it's like, God, with everything else going on, pandemics and monkeypox, I got to think about nuclear war now. Uh, are you concerned about monkeypox? No. <laughs> you even know what it is? <laughs> it is. Yeah, I do. It's actually, you can get it from just touching someone or just laying in the bed with someone or laying in someone's bed. You can get it. Right. Um, New York, New York but City you, like, put out. Most people recover on their own, or or you die. So it's either or. But yeah, it's either not serious at all, it's no big thing, or you drop dead from it. That's it. Yeah. <laughs> but New York City put out a warning about that too, and it's a, it. They put it out in you know, they said don't have any, don't have sex with men who have rashes. Uh, I have no problem with that. I was kind of on my plan anyway. I wasn't going to have sex with any men. Especially with rashes, so I think I'm covered with that. <laughs> I will hope not. <laughs> <laughs> so I, I think I'll be safe there. But you're right; you can get it from touching st- other stuff that they touch. It can be spread that way. You know, one thing after another. What's the next one coming down the road? It's just like so. You're stressed at all about this stuff, or you don't care? You just take it. You don't seem like uh, you let the news news of the day and current events bother you. I don't really. I don't really watch the news as as I should, and I do hear about everything from my mom because everything that comes on the news, she she has to re-report it. So right. I hear it from my mom, but I'm not like walking around worried about monkeypox. Yeah, yeah, no, neither am I. I don't think anybody is, but they they want to. They just want to keep you anxious or fill you with anxiety. They look for one thing after another, and you said, "As I should." No, you shouldn't. Nobody should watch. The problem is, we should do away with the news. We should get rid of. It. Get, get, get rid of it all together and we'll all live happier lives. You still no, I, think you need to know, I, I think you need to know what's going on. Do you? Yeah, you do. <laughs> if it, I don't know what good it would be to know that a nuclear war, a nuclear bomb's going to fall. Like, what can you do about it? You just live with it. Um, or die with it is more likely. You still close with your mom? Your mom, obviously, you, uh, you talk to her quite often on the phone. Three or four times a day. Three or four times a day. Yeah. Oh, that's that's good. 
but it, it's it's how the world has changed. Now, you're, you're, you're fairly young. You probably don't remember. <laughs> but in the day, <laughs> long-distance charges, from long, to call your mom from long, Las Vegas to Philly uh, three or four times a day, one of your phone bills would be astronomical. You'd be paying maybe thousands at the end of the month because rates were crazy. We live in a time Yeah, I ran up a few phone bills back in the day. I, I know what you mean. Yeah, yeah. And you had to <laughs> you had to wait until late at night to make calls cheaper and all that kind of stuff. It, it was crazy. Yeah. Now, now you could talk around the world with video for nothing. <laughs> exactly. Well, I, I, I can't wait to make everything absolutely nothing. Um... You, you said you were out partying last night. Now, if I'm going to probe here. And if you don't want to answer these questions because it feels like an interrogation, that's fine. <laughs> you smoke weed at all? Yes, I do smoke weed yeah. and I drink. Uh, all right. So do I. I've been smoking for 52 years now. Uh, did, did you hear of this Scromit weed that they, they were talking about last week? It was on Twitter. Scromit is weed that is so strong it makes you scream and vomit. <laughs> Never had that. <laughs> I, I don't know if I want any weed that makes me scream and vomit. Exactly. <laughs> uh, but some people, actually some dispensaries started um, cashing in on that immediately because it was a trend on Twitter. And they started marketing stuff as scrommet. It's like, who wants that? But I, I've been smoking for 52 years. And I've never, ever like smoke so much that I had to vomit because I was too hot, you know, maybe a choke on something or something stupid like that. But, you know, weed, weed does the opposite. You smoke too much. You want to just go to sleep. You know, you know, you don't want to scream, scream and go crazy. The other part of it was they were saying weed makes, uh, weed is the reason that we have mass shootings. Like, you know, I've been smoking 52 years. I never once wanted to pick up a rifle and shoot strangers. You're too tired to, or just <laughs> yeah. Well, you're stuck. Wait, wait, it makes you nice though. You know, you I don't was really... smoking before I got on this podcast. I was like, shit, I might as well. Since I'm up, I might as well smoke me a a doobie. <laughs> oh, do you still roll? I do. I I prefer to roll. I I like you call it a doobie. That's kind of well, I, a blunt. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. But today, I think everybody is pipe centric and you know smoking bongs and things like that. I'm, I have and I do, but I prefer the old, you know, smoking it like a reefer, a <laughs> joint. Exactly. <laughs> My yeah. mom tries to get me to stop. I'm like, I don't think I'll ever stop smoking weed. Yeah. No. Why? I did. And uh, the question I had for myself after uh, twice, I I quit and one time for ten years. But the question I asked myself is why? What? Why did I stop? <laughs> I couldn't answer. What? There was no good reason. Um, and what got me back into it? I had a stroke six years ago now, and they put me on pills to keep my blood pressure down and keep me mellow and all that stuff. But it was making me like a zombie. I was walking into walls just crazy. And I said, you know what? The hell with this. I'll just do away with that and just get stoned. And I'll, my blood pressure will come down naturally, and I'll be in a good, loose mood most of the time anyway. And it's worked. I mean, last time I went to the doctor, my blood pressure was fine. And so weed is the best best medicine there is. <laughs> that's, I'm yes, sticking. Is. That's, that's my position. <laughs> I'm sticking to it. Um, and it's in the Bible, in Genesis 1-9, I think. Really? <laughs> Yeah. I got I got to look that I'm not a Bible scholar. Now I know cuz 
um, the girl who, who was the co-host, and I don't think she's coming back, but she might. She's gone for five weeks, but she is um, Bible thumper. <laughs> and, I'm not a Bible thumper, but I do know my word. <laughs> right, but but she uh, my word. she has a following that would would definitely if I say. Uh, something about the Bible, they'll be, come back to correct me. So I'm sure I'm going to get emails or comments on the YouTube later about what it actually said, the chapter and verse and how I got it wrong or you got it wrong or all this stuff. Uh, I think, it, you know, there's some, and we're, we're living in a time where uh, I think we, religion is getting uh, a bit out of hand. In, in Actually on, on Twitter this morning, uh, the Old Testament and Jesus's Lord were both trending on on Twitter. Like people, you're either fanatically into it or you don't care about it at all. I'm not on Twitter. You're not on Twitter. That's no. where a lot of comedians are. More comedians on Twitter than on Facebook, I think. I'll check it out. Yeah. Well, and it will go slow if you're just checking it out because. Gaining followers and all that stuff is a very slow process over there. It's not like it's not like Facebook where I get friend requests every day from people I never met. Like why? Uh, it's different. You have to accept friend requests. People just follow you on Twitter, and unless you're you're putting out great content all the time, it's hard to get followers on Twitter. But it's a whole different experience. And then the the uh, character limit about what you can say makes it a little different too. I mean, you have 144 characters to say something. It's just limiting. It's a it's a whole different experience. But Twitter is it's hard to get followers on Instagram too. You're they'll on Instagram? follow you, and then when you follow them back, they'll unfollow you, so they can look like they have more followers. It's just a whole bunch yeah, of yeah. I had a social media lady on. Um, on my show last night, I, I'm confounded by Instagram. I'm going to pull Instagram up for a minute. What's your Instagram? Uh, the only Naomi Star underscore. Oh, it's man, my new page. I was hacked. The only Naomi. I wonder if that will come up for me. I'm not really slick with this. The only Naomi or the only underscore Naomi. That one. The only Naomi Star underscore. Uh, the only Naomi star. Who are underscore holy? There's a lot of oh yeah, hey, the only, there you are. The, yeah, it looks like you, you, there are a lot of the only Naomi's there. So uh, I'm looking at your stuff here. Yeah, you're putting out. See, this is what I do. I just, and <clears throat> it's really weird to me because people will like stuff and all that stuff, but I don't see. How people use this to grow their business, grow their you know shows or any because you only have one link. They only let you one link in your uh, pro- profile description, and no links on the actual images or any of that stuff. So if people are interested in whatever post you put on there, they have to go back to your profile if they want to find out more. It's it's just a, it's a really difficult uh, platform for me. But how how long ago were you hacked? I'm gonna follow you right now. Follow. Uh, three months ago. How did they hack? Did they get your password somehow, or is, is yeah, they, they sent put- me a link and told and made it like it was supposed to be 
like they were shutting my page down. I had to enter my password. I entered my password and they hacked me and changed it. So and I had like 1,600 followers on my other page. I really didn't have like thousands of followers, though. Yeah, I have thousands of followers, but I don't know any of them. I, I shouldn't say any of them. I know I don't know. Like, let me look at my profile right now. I'll tell you how many I have. And I don't know the majority of them. So let's see. It says I have 7,661 followers. If I know 61 of those 7,661, that's a lot. I don't think I know 61 of them. They're mostly people uh cash app people or you know some kind of weird scam they're holding up pictures of money <laughs> yeah the investment bitcoin people right yeah bitcoin are you into any of that stuff um crypto i have a few stocks but i'm not into bitcoin and all that though stocks like the tra yeah. traditional stock market yeah i go on webull and i own a couple stocks on there um, do you do your own research? You do, you go take advice from stock brokers. How, how do you figure out what to buy and what to sell and all that? No, I just do my own thing. Really? How do you figure I just it buy out? Buy the cheapest stock. <laughs> oh, the cheap. Yeah. Well, they used to. I don't know if they still do that. The old penny stock thing. I I think that was the Wolf of Wall Street uh, scam. Penny stocks. People were buying. Literally, stocks and stuff for you know a couple of pennies or a dollar or whatever the cheapest stocks possible, but I think that was mostly a scam. I don't know. I don't know about it. I don't. But know. I haven't seen any penny stocks on there. But yeah, so generally, I may uh, maybe I'm talking out of my ass again. I probably am because I don't really know. But I thought I was under the impression that people who are really active in the stock market are news junkies because especially business news because things like mergers and stuff like that will affect what's going to go up and down so they're constantly watching like business news and what who's doing what and even trends in business that might affect a, a particular industry to see what to buy uh you don't do any of that you just go and say i just go on the site and you take the same the you take the same approach you do for, towards Vegas gambling. You go with the simple uh, slot machines in in the uh, Circle K. Is that what you call it, Circle K? Yeah. Hey, <laughs> it worked for me. <laughs> but that seventeen hundred dollar win—that was an anomaly. You don't do it all the time, right? That that. No, I, mean, I've, I don't even want to talk about the stuff I've done with so, gambling. This is new. The, the gambling stuff is new, and I I haven't been the best gambler. So that seventeen hundred was great. <laughs> yeah i get it um because when i took my wife to vegas i took her there twice and it was it was a mistake uh brought her into a casino and she started playing the game uh, wheel of fortune and she was she was up pretty quickly she was up like 1800 dollars or something and then uh she kept playing it and she played it for I want to say 24 hours. I couldn't get her away from the machine. By the time I pulled her away, that 1800 was down to $115 or something like that. I had to tr physically drag her away from the machine before you lose everything that you had. Um, yeah. Yeah. So that that's how I think they get you. When I was talking about the slot machine. So everybody who wins, they're compelled to keep playing. Oh, I won now. I got to keep playing. I'm going to. Well, somebody just won like 150000 on the Wheel of Fortune off a $5 bet. So. Wow. It's possible. Yeah. You know what that was? That was the, the all the money that the person before them put in the machine. <laughs> hey. That's. 
<laughs> they finally gave up. They walked away, and the one guy comes up and puts five dollars in and gets one hundred and fifty thousand. It's like fuck, yeah, that's my money. I'm surprised more people don't kill each, kill each, kill other people for that stuff. Like, oh, I don't want to hear that, <laughs> Matt. What are you talking about? <laughs> <laughs> I could see it though. I mean, you're in a uh, casino playing a machine all night long, putting all your money in it. You finally walk away. Somebody walks up and hits it. You're like, that's my money. <laughs> Yeah, I don't want them to kill nobody over it. That's no, why they no. say money is the root of no, all evil. I'm not endorsing murder at all. I'm not. Don't, don't get me wrong. We're not endorsing murder here on the show this morning. Uh, yeah. Uh, so when you, when you what kind of things do you talk about in, in your uh, stand up? What kind of subject? My life. I talk oh. about like when I used to be a stripper. I talk about experiences I've had in Vegas. Um, I talk about my son. I talk a little bit about being homeless. Uh, what was the, the life of? Because uh, there are different levels of stripping, right? Um, there are, you know, in clubs. Then there's the the private stuff. Then they have all these kind of, I don't know, gimmicky kind of things like foxy boxing or mud wrestling, you know, all that kind of stuff. What was what was your experience in that world? I worked in a club. A club? I worked at the, yeah. Do you, do you want to talk about it? Can, can you talk about it? Well, like, what you didn't go by your regular name, right? You had to have a like a stripper name or something. My name was Naomi in the upscale clubs, and my name was Shake in the ghetto clubs. <laughs> now, did you? And then in the upscale clubs, I wore gowns. The first song we danced with a gown. The second song we danced topless. The third song nude. Wow. Uh, then I worked uh, at an after hour it was kind of ghetto and you did your own thing so but I would now, make more money at the after hour ironically <laughs> yeah, yeah I don't that's not necessarily ironically I think that's probably but the the women that I know have, who have done that made some really really good money I, I, I mean en enough to buy houses in really upscale areas and stuff like that that's a yeah I made that kind of money but I wasn't very smart with my money right yeah this is my problem uh, every time I have made a lot of money in my life, I've just pissed it away. Just pissed it away. I was really foolish with it. Uh, so, you know, having money is not necessarily a reflection of making a lot of money. I know people who don't, never made a lot of money, but they were smart with it. And they or not necessarily smart, but safe and slow and invested. Well, that's in. like I can make 100000 a year and I have nothing to show for it. And you can make 60000 a year and have a house and a car. Yeah, yeah, you know, so it just depends on how you are with your money. I have you in learned? My older age, I'm a little smarter, but I was going to say, are, yeah, are you getting smarter now with the mortgage thing? Is, are you setting up pensions and stuff like that? Because I have had many careers, and when I, you know, putting in the four hundred four hundred one ks and stuff, I never paid much attention to it. They took money out, and I just figured that was gone money. Then when I retired, I started getting all these letters about money I had in accounts I didn't even know about. Uh, are you are you investing now that you're older and kind of through work, kind of building up a plan for retirement? <laughs> um, yes and no. <laughs> I'm trying yeah. to clean up my mess. <laughs> that I made in my life. Actually. Yeah, I hear that. Life is always about and life is a never-ending battle of cleaning up messes you made when you were young. <laughs> For me, yeah. Anyway. <laughs> yeah. Um, are you are you enjoying um, the the 
performance and getting out and doing stand up when when or do you really enjoy it or are you doing it because you have to like you you feel addicted to it now i know that sounds like an odd question but i i've talked to enough people i know i'm who... nervous before every show but once i get on stage i do enjoy it um I, i'm not stuck or addicted to it um i like stand up i want to be in movies and sitcoms um so that's what my goal is. It's not to do stand-up forever. It's to branch out into movies and sitcoms and radio shows and that sort of thing. Um, so, yeah, I do enjoy it. Yeah. Um, that That's interesting because uh, what, what do you do to even make that brand? I know a lot of people who got into stand-up with that idea. Of, <clears throat> and most people in the old days, that was kind of what stand-up was. It was a vehicle to a sitcom or a vehicle to uh, get into maybe movies or, or something. Uh, not so much anymore. Now people, a lot of people get into stand-up because they love stand-up and want to keep doing it forever and ever, and that, that's, that's fine. But how do you make that happen now? Is it like constant networking? And is Vegas the right place? Because I'm thinking L.A. is probably a better place if that's your true aspiration. Uh, Vegas kid. <laughs> I don't want to say nothing bad about Vegas, but I um, know, you know, don't diss Vegas, but I mean, it's not necessarily the right place for film and, and television, is it? I probably won't get my big break in Vegas, but maybe if an uh, agent comes out here. Yeah. But I do travel to California and other places, so, and I just came back from California, remember? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, and, and, you did some shows out in California, right? When you were there, right? Yeah, I did some I... shows in Studio City, Ventura, and um, DTLA. Yeah. I, I just wondering how, how, I mean, if that's the goal, how do you make that actually happen? What, what do you do to kind of get to the next level? I mean, networking with, because right now, your movies is a, a, you know, film is a really ridiculous uh, business right now because. Uh, people who are making movies that are going to be um, national releases and all and the, the movies people will hear about, all they're doing is making special effects movies, uh, superhero movies, comic book movies, and all that kind of stuff, and betting on on that. That just doesn't seem like there's any... I can't think of any really great comedies that have come out. And not, I wouldn't be the person to make this statement because I'm pretty culturally unhip. But it seemed to me in years gone by, I'm talking like a, the old person I am here, there were a lot more comedy movies being made, movies that were just generally for a laugh than there are. I don't think there's any of that going on today. It's, just, it's all superheroes and um, CGI stuff and effects and all that kind of stuff. Just wondering how you make it. How you make that transition happen? You got to do something. Then nobody's going to come knock on your door and say, "Hey, movie." <laughs> I mean, they're not going to come knocking on my door, but it's not always about what you know; it's who you know. Right, right. So, yeah. So the so networking you have to part, network. Right. Is that what the four o'clock in the morning party was, or no? <laughs> You're so nosy. I was with a friend. Yeah, I'm so nosy. That's that's. I I had a uh, somebody who I interviewed on an author, and she said you ask a lot of questions. I, that's what an interview. That's what this is all about. Asking. I questions. thought I was a co-host. I'm getting interviewed. <laughs> I know. Well, um, we're wasting time while um, 
Jeff Goskin, uh, the guest gets here. See, you you showed up way too early. That's what's the problem. So I'm going to be yeah. on here when the guest gets here? Yes. Till 11 o'clock? Mm-hmm. I got to get at least some sleep so I can go to work. <laughs> okay. Well, he's going to be on in any minute. I can let you go now if you want to, if you want to go now. No, if I'll you... wait till he comes. All right. Okay. <laughs> wait till he comes. Well, that's the whole idea behind the co-hosting stuff is, is to, uh, you know, um, I thought I had to be on the air at six. That's why I stayed up. I would have no. Took a nap. I said six thirty, and then basically that I think a half an hour warm up before the guest gets here. Generally, but that's fine. We will everything. Everything's good here. I'm very loose about how everything runs here, but I do appreciate you being here and coming on and spending some time with me again. Good to no, see. No, I you. love you. You're such a great person, for real. I am. But, yeah, uh, I like you a I lot. Don't know. I don't know. I'm pretty. Uh, <laughs> well, I what, co- I think, what i've noticed you know yeah I know. I, i'm not going to be able to i have to get at least an hour or two of sleep before i go to work man i, I can't imagine going to work on an hour sleep uh an hour would make things worse for me i have Being, to be to work at nine so oh yeah so so i'll i only work 15 minutes up the street so i already had a shower and brushed my teeth and everything before i came on your show good for you <laughs> no but um if I pulled one of those all-nighters, an hour would just make me more tired. I, once I decide sleep is the thing, it's like I got to uh, dedicate the time to it. And, and, and I got a 10-hour uh, shift ahead of me. I can't do it. I have to get something. Wow. Man, you're a trooper. Well, it, uh, it's a good time to let you go now because Jeff's here. We're going to welcome him in right now. I'll let you say hello to him, and then we'll say goodbye to you and appreciate you being here. And uh, – and uh, we'll talk to you soon about that. But let get your chance to meet the one and only. Uh, live from tonight, it's Jeff Dwoskin. I don't know. He changes the name of his show every five minutes like uh, like like most people change their underwear. So let's welcome in the fabulous. Oh, there he is. Hello. My best buddy, Jeff Dwoskin. <laughs> oh, hey. Uh, oh, I'm, sorry. I'm sorry. My publicist told me this was a different show. Hey, uh, Miami. How are you? <laughs> Hello. How are you? Good. How are you? Nice to meet you. Great. All right. Nice. Naomi, go get some sleep. All right. <laughs> okay. Good, Good morning. Good morning. Good morning. Have a great day. Bye. For you now. too. Jeff, good to see you, man. Good to see uh, you too. Good my to best you, buddy, man. Jeff Dwoskin. What's the name with the, what's the deal with you change the name of your show every five minutes? Come on. I changed it one time. <laughs> no, it was originally uh, the Dwarf. Jeff Dwoskin show. Then it was uh, live from Detroit. Jeff Dwoskin. Now it's like, what is it? It's a uh, co- classic conversations with Jeff Dwoskin. All right, I apologize. I didn't realize you were at stalker status. You're right. That is all true. The it was the Jeff Dwoskin show, and then I was talking to someone. And they're like, maybe play up the Detroit part. I'm like, all right, live from Detroit, the Jeff Dwoskin show. I love just to that. Give, just to give an idea that it was like kind of maybe a little more. Fine. You know, like, oh, like live from New York, you know, but Detroit. You know, okay. Okay. And then, you know, I, when I started kind of focusing on um, trying to monetize my podcast, the ad sales teams had kind of confusion. So they'd be like, is it a regional show? Is it just a Detroit show? It's a really long name where they don't, they don't like long names that don't mean anything. And they're like, who can we swear? I don't know. And they're like, who? Who the F is Jeff Dwoskin? And so it's like, I'm like, all right, all fair points. 
So I changed the name. I, you know, it literally, it took a while. I just started writing down words. Like, what does it mean? And I was like, you know, I classic conversations and then, you know, kind of some cool new art. And right. then, you know, now, then, yeah. I got to say, though, in what on your little thing there, it says classic converse, classic hyphen conversations dot com. I think if I put in Jeff is funny dot com, which is your, your old stand up site, it goes to it goes to that. Yeah, it goes to the same place. I right. I got the I got that, the, I got the, the URL that it redirects. So yeah. yeah, both work. They take it to the same place. Very good. Uh, yeah. well, I'm glad we we got that. I love the the life of Detroit. Not that I'm saying I don't like classic conversations. I think you're that definitely because uh, I I got a lesson from a social media expert on last night, and she said basically you got to let people know the value and exactly why they should tune in and what they should expect. You can't just have you know what I have on there, which is, I don't even know what I have on there. Something about um, you know, encouraging people to free thinking and independent thought and all that stuff. She's like, what does that even mean? Good point. <laughs> <laughs> well, you know, that's, that's why classic conversations. And if you see the art, if you're scrolling, you're like, Oh, okay. You know, yeah. TV film. Cause that's really what it is. I talk to, uh, well, I do talk to some current people. The, right. a lot of it is classic conversations with people and you know it's classic in the sense too that it's i think um evergreen right you know I mean? so it's it's like we're not talking about and actually i'll edit stuff out if it gets too time specific right every really? now and then one slips in but you could listen to my burt ward interview which was a hundred episodes ago and it could be like i recorded it last week for the right. most part you know Burt I mean, Ward was uh, Robin from Batman, and right? Robin. And you, you, you talk to him for because uh, I, I appreciate the pop culture part of this and and his history in television and all that stuff, but I can't imagine. I think I'd be struggling to talk to him for an hour. It's like, okay, you were Robin. Anything else? Well, okay, so maybe we could go into like. Uh, yeah, no, I, I usually have not a problem talking to people for at least yeah. an hour. And well, obviously, you talk to me. Exactly. Uh, <laughs> but I tell you, Burt Ward, well, half the interview is about Batman, right? And I did a lot of, you know, I do a lot of research. So I kind of I know you dig do. into very specific things and, you know, and like some off projects. Like there was that, that weird, uh, like Justice, I don't even remember what it's called anymore. Like some Justice League thing where they were in it, Adam West and him. And, and then they had all the other people you know, like flash and all these, other. anyway, but it was, it was a horrible thing, but it was fun, you know? And, you know, he was in uh crisis on infinity earth. And anyway, but my point is he has a dog rescue. He's rescued like 15,000 dogs, great Danes, usually large. He has 50 dogs living with him and he developed a dog food that actually helps dogs live longer. So like he has dogs that were, you know, live, let's say 10 years or 20 living 20 years with him. And so he started this whole thing. And actually we, I ended up changing to me, that part of the conversation is more fascinating hearing about that, especially if you have an animal and I actually switched to the, his dog food and changed the way we feed our dog and the everything. <laughs> like, yeah. No, cause <laughs> I laugh cause the way you just said that I switched to it, like you're eating his dog food. No, um, no, no, yeah, yeah. <laughs> no, no. Cause I, uh, back in the day there were, uh, 
back in the day. I say that phrase way too often, man. Slap myself. About 20 years ago, there was a cure for, for cancer in dogs or this the molecule that was cancer, uh, curing cancer. And I was preaching to every human being they should they should try it. I know it's only for dogs, but it kills tumors. It shrinks tumors. And I was like, you should try it. <laughs> Crazy stuff like that. You were, the uh, first, you were the first one in line for intervectum too, right? It, no, 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 no. <laughs> I, I, that was, I was young then, young and stupid. Um, but, but what did you talk at all about Bruce Lee and, and that whole? Yeah, deal? yeah, oh, we yeah. did actually. Yeah, and uh, <laughs> yeah, because he 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 actually fought Bruce Lee on the show. I know. And, uh, I think because yeah. I've heard Bruce Lee's side of the story. I would be interested. I got to go back and listen now. You you talk to him about that because I'm interested in hearing his side of the story because I've heard Bruce Lee several times. Uh, on, on how Bruce Lee felt disrespected that he should even have to fight this guy. And like, who is he? He's nobody. I'm Bruce Lee. You know who I am? <laughs> it's funny. Uh, was he, uh, was, uh, I'll listen to it. I don't want to spoil it. I'll go back and listen. Um, now, the one that's up there now, uh, Robert Klein. Robert Klein is, uh, I, I had Scott uh, Curtis on yesterday. And I expressed this to him. Robert Klein is on a he should be on the mount rushmore of comedy but he's more than just a comedian to me he's like one of the most talented one of the most inspirational and uh just all around like people that i'm in awe of in show business ever like he's you know on comedy i think he stands on the same mount rushmore as carlin and Pryor, but he's also a great musician in my my view a fabulous songwriter like genius songwriter like uh and i know that word gets overused but also a fine actor and all that stuff getting to talk to him must have been like uh i may i maybe you don't have the same reverence for him that i do but i'm no, just like, no, it's like totally you know, in awe i i told the story at the end of my podcast but like uh I'll, so i had reached out and I'm like, you know, some time went by. I think they sometimes, uh, you know, the people, they'll be like, hey, we let him know. He'll reach out. You know, I'm like, all right. And so, you know, time went by and I was like, I guess it's just not, you know, that one wasn't in the cards. Right. Everyone you reach out to doesn't say yes. And so I'm in the kitchen with my wife. I actually put the screenshot on Instagram. Maybe people thought it was fake, but like, um, and my, I look at my phone and it says Robert Klein, and and I'm like, holy shit, right? It's <laughs> <laughs> like, hey, John, it's Waskin. What's up? That was the funny thing is like most people call me Jeff. He was calling me Dwaskin, which I loved. And uh, he's like, Dwaskin, I heard you want me to be on your podcast. I'm like, or whatever. And I'm like, yeah. And I don't know about you, but it's like when I talked to him, when I actually interviewed him, you know that. I'm fine with that. I can talk to anyone when we log in for the interview and I'm fine. I'm, you know, but when somebody just calls me on the phone, <laughs> it's like, it's different. Does that make no, sense? No, totally. I get okay. that. Yeah. It's like, uh, and it was like, I was just, ah, <laughs> I was like, it's like, someone's like, you screenshotted his name on your phone. I'm like, yes, I screenshotted his name. I was showing everybody. And so, um, and, uh, and it was cool. He would keep calling. He called me. He was like, hey, let's uh, test out for, you know, I'm like, all right. Yeah. So I'm like, cool, cool. And I couldn't have been nicer, but I agree with you. He's one of the single most talented people. Comedy aside, and I agree with you, Mount Rushmore, probably one of the most prolific voices 
ever, but definitely that are still alive right now. Uh, he's at the top of that mountain. But I mean, we talked a lot about they're playing our song. He's been in multiple Broadway shows, but that's right. the one I was most familiar with, with Lucy, Lucy Arnaz. And I, I hold up that I had the album. I'm like, I look, I have the LP, <laughs> you know, cause like I grew up and my parents, you know, with like Broadway and all that kind of stuff. And, and so I'm like, I've actually listened to this. I mean, before I even knew who you were, this, I listened to this and, and so, you know, that was cool, but you're right. He's a great actor and musician, you know, just, the he plays the harmonica a little bit on the episode. Yeah. And, and so, yeah, I mean, it's just, and his singing, he's just like, he's like, he can do everything. Improv, right? I mean, that's how he got it. You know, one of his first early things was at Second City. He started with Fred Ward. I mean, <laughs> it's, it's always amazing to me when like you talk to like the people, the famous people, and they talk about who they were. Oh yeah, you know, Fred Ward, uh, you know, David Steinberg, you know, like everybody is like this classic, person but at that moment they weren't right they were just you know, it's hard just, to imagine that yeah. it really is because i know what i've heard stories about dustin hoffman and gene hackman sharing an apartment when they were young and it's just like it's just hard to kind of put them in a place where before they were superstars but uh with klein now you're a big fan of his and i know you do a lot of research with did you have to do any research or did you say i know everything i uh, about robert klein already i mean i've been a huge fan was that one of those or do you still put in your due diligence and go and and make yourself work <laughs> I, I always i always put in the due diligence because i think the memories are more fanboyish right and so yeah. to kind of dive a little deeper and get into some specifics. Like I knew he had the documentary was made on him. And so I watched that, you know, so those are things that I can reference and talk about, you know, things that the people specifically said about him. And there was another one, I think it was called comedy goes to school that he was the narrator, which is, was all about the Catskills mountains and, and the emergence of all the, the comedy and that, and that era. So I watched that. So I'll like, I'll watch specific things, you know, I'll maybe listen to a couple of routines again, just to kind of get them fresh in my head. But sometimes when it's fresher in your head and you can kind of pin down, of course, when you talk to a lot of people, they don't remember all those specifics like you, because I had just watched it. Yeah. Right. <laughs> they may no, not have I... seen it for 10 years. And, um, you know, so, uh, but yeah, I'll do that. So that's how, you know, you kind of get some of those conversations going beyond just the, uh, awesome yeah i don't want to make it all about klein but uh i'm just in awe of him anyway but did he uh he has a tendency like a lot of comedians from his era to get really political in conversation i've noticed that because i've seen him on lots of interviews on television and he'll, he will go there uh did he do did he do a lot of that like was he very overtly political i will say I went in, if I know a guest is political, because I don't want it to get too political, you know what I mean? I'll try and steer away from it. But that that did not happen with Robert <laughs> I think um, it's impossible for it to happen, from what I've I, seen. <laughs> I think he, he, does, he does share some views. And then it was funny. It's a funny transition out of it, because then he goes, I'm sorry, Jeff, what was the question? What's my favorite color? <laughs> <laughs> and... Um, 
yeah, but he does. I, you know, it's, it's there. You can enjoy it, but, um, you know, yeah. it's, I don't mind a little politics. It's just, uh, you know, and, and I think his is fine and you know, it, it's Robert Klein. So, I mean, it's like, no, I could talk politics you know. all day long and with him, I would definitely enjoy it, but I know sometimes my audience uh, you not follow, not along with me on that. And I, I try to at least be aware of what, how, how it's playing to them not not always uh just oblivious not always ab- all about me although i would love it to be all about me right there was one point in the conversation where he said something and then i said something and he goes i need to correct something that you just said and i was just like, was just like oh no i do oh, not no. Want to go, i do not want to spar with robert Klein. yeah i'd hate to get into an <laughs> argument a political argument it wasn't that him. i just you know i clarified <laughs> I, I clarified what i had meant by it it was just it was just about how Fox feeds, you know, if you watch Fox, it feeds what you think, right? And if I watch MSNBC, it feeds what I think, right? right. And in, inherently, um, that's not healthy for anyone, you know, whatever side you're on. Um, and then I think his issue was more like that I kind of made those equal. <laughs> oh, yeah. And so I was just like, well, no, no, I get it. You know, Fox is trying to kill everyone. And <laughs> MSNBC is at least trying to save the world. But like, again, that's again, feeds into how I feel about it. But I do. I, I, I kind of disagree with him on, I, you know what? I, I understand that people with, with both sidesism and understanding that both sides are not equal right now in this place we are in, in history. But I do think all human beings have the propensity to, uh, once they get power, have greed for more power and do anything and anything they can for lust for power. So if the co- if the tables were turned somehow and some some point down in history, they will be. Uh, the other side do- does the same thing. I don't. Trust yeah, yeah. <laughs> it's right now. It's worse than ever in terms of no, everyone yeah. just wants to be in power. They need to limit. You these can't be unlimited jobs. Yeah, yeah. You need to be able to. You can serve up to two terms and. Well, two terms I, I think I've asked these you people this before, that but are you an years. optimist for America? Do you really think that there's a way out of uh, of where we are right now where it, we can be one country not wanting to kill each other? Not for a long time. Yeah, I, I, I'm, I'm really pessimistic about it. I don't. I mean, I, maybe one day, but I mean, I mean, you've got people like Lauren Boebert putting out a book. You don't want oh to go down this path. I mean, a book. I mean, like, I wonder. And, who and I stopped, I stopped tweeting at it. You know, I was like, what? I can't wait. I've never bought a book written in crayon before. Right. So it's like, <laughs> I, I was like, you know, but it's, I mean, here's someone who I think, what? To, if I were to believe the memes, you know, somebody, some got poor... her GED on the fourth time and they just gave it to her. But like, right. these aren't the most intelligent people. And right. the problem, is in that they're not intelligent is that my intelligent friends have no problem with it and so and why because you were successful in the supreme court turning over roe v wade well congratulations they're gonna go after everything else now so good job on that good job <laughs> lauren lauren Bobert got me uh banned from twitter for seven days she got me in twitter jail for uh she said she said yay about the Supreme Court uh, overturning New York's gun law. And I, I commented back, yay, I can't wait to get shot. And Twitter said, well, that, that's harassment. I was like, how is that harassment? Yay, I didn't say I can't wait to, for you to get shot. I can't wait right. for me. You I can't be, wait. 
Yeah, you should I be can't. able to say you want to get shot. I mean, that's a, that is freedom. <laughs> and and it was a, uh, clearly a joke about you know them loosening because I don't think that law changed anything for people who are lawful gun owners with permits. I think what it changed was for people who give criminals more power to uh, have a concealed weapon. I was like, well, that's a good thing if you live in New York. Yeah, <laughs> what do I? I mean, how I count the days before I get shot now, because um, yeah. I don't, you know, all that stuff. But with Lorraine, Lauren Bobert, somebody had to, some somebody who went to to school for journalism, sold their soul to write her book as a ghostwriter, and that to me is like the the worst part of this whole thing is they they had to sit with her for six months, listen to her babble, and then somehow. Tr- Find a way to make her not seem like a total imbecile and write it like this is my story. God bless you, but I I would rather I'd rather be poor. <laughs> I don't even know that people believe anything they say anymore, which is a more dangerous thing. Like right, I mean, I I don't believe Trump believes anything he says. He just says it because that's how he knows he can rile up a crowd. And when you yeah. move to that level, um then it's there's no going back it becomes a very dangerous place because yeah. everyone's just you know forget fake news i mean if everyone's just spouting things that they don't even believe just to gain favor where you go from there where you go well, from there did you hear Herschel walker thing? i read it this morning but did you hear his thing about climate change yesterday I don't listen to Herschel Walker anymore because I charted it and my IQ kept dropping every time I listened. No, I'm going to make your IQ drop just a little bit more because I have to read it again because, it, uh, oh, did I, did I lose? Oh, no, here it is. This is what he said to a crowd about climate change yesterday. Since we don't control the air, our good air decided, our good air decided, like air decides, to float over to China's bad air. So when China gets our good air, their bad air got to move. So it moves over to our good airspace. Then now we got no good clean air to back that up. And it's amazing, isn't it? And this, <laughs> like, and a future senator or whatever he's running for. It's like, like, he's he's going to win. He's going to be a, a senator from Georgia talking like that. And so to your point about believing, I think he, I actually think he. I, I think them. he believes it. Yeah. He, yeah. You can't. That stuff is. That's know, not I, what I mean stupid. is like when when Trump goes, uh, <laughs> we're going to overturn Roe v. Wade. Abortion's bad. Like, really? I mean, there's video of you talking about the exact opposite, right? Are all these right. people where they, you know, Lindsey Graham, all of them, where you find video and, and Democrats, too, or they're saying the opposite of whatever they're saying right now. I believe that Hersh Walker doesn't understand science or yeah. how anything works, environment, and that Air he believes breathing. that. I believe he believes that. And that's why it's even scarier that he's even, you know, that we're even able to be bothered to discuss it and that anyone knows he thinks that. I mean, it's yeah. just, can, you, can you imagine? It's like crazy. I mean, it's like. Well, um, it, what it concerns me about the people who are voting for him, they have to know that that's just bonkers talk. Uh, but it so comes down to owning the other side. And in this case, it's owning the libs. All they care about is owning the libs. They don't care that their candidate is saying the most ridiculous or, or do they are they that, that stupid that they can't decipher what I just said is just complete nonsense. That uh, 
the air decided to go. <laughs> I've never <laughs> seen air make a decision before. <laughs> yeah, it's, you know. Yeah, so there are people that are voting and they have to they have to even know they're voting for somebody who's just full of shit, crazy, and probably brain damage just to win. Just to win. Just to be on the side that's winning. It became a, a like a sporting event. Like I just want to be on the side that's winning type of thing, which is so I don't I'm not I don't have a whole lot of um hope for america i really don't but i'm old you're young you're gonna you're gonna live another 40 50 years or so you have to worry about this shit i don't i'll be dead in 10 15 years tops (laughs) i hope i hope not no uh, that's just the time that's the way the things work man everybody dies time runs out the ride is over well I think you got a few more years in, yeah. So let's, yeah, a let's, few more. You're right. Let's let's keep them strong. The uh, <laughs> so all right. So uh, what else? Uh, <laughs> well, I want to talk about uh, crossing the stream because in order to be a fan of crossing the streams, I have to be a pop culture guy, don't I? I have to I have to be tuned into what's happening in pop culture. Uh well, I don't know. I don't. I don't think so. So I think. Both, well, classic conversations, I don't think you need to. I always look at the conversations I have as, as sort of get to know yous, right? So if you don't know who Robert Klein is or Jim Meskimen or, you know, Peter Macon, you know, you can go and th- these are conversations where you kind of learn about who these people are and what they do. Crossing the Streams, which is the weekly live show that I do every Wednesday at 9.30 p.m. Eastern on YouTube, is just a bunch of people talking about TV shows that they're watching. So you don't have to know anything about pop culture. That's the whole idea actually is that you haven't heard of possibly or given credence to the shows that we're talking about. So then you have the opportunity to check them out. So it, it creates a nice uh, checklist of things for you to binge or put on your watch list or stuff like that. So no, you don't have to walk in knowing anything. The whole idea is that you can kind of enjoy it and with crossing the streams frankly none of us are like one of those you know deep 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 experts you know we're just fans we're yeah just that's fans. what i was gonna say oh is it, is it like because there's a different you don't do a whole lot of due diligence on that a lot of work you watch television right that basically uh your preparation for a show like that we do and a lot of times we'll kind of you know tangent on some of the stars like if somebody's and that we might start talking about other things they were in and you know so you know like if someone came on talking about top gun and then all of a sudden we're talking about all of tom cruise's catalog you know you know how we feel good or bad and you know so things can happen and expand but generally we'll be like oh this director and he did these other things so we do a few layers of uh of uh research for you but did you, you know, did, oh, speaking of tom cruise did uh, mickey rock did an interview with piers morgan <laughs> yesterday did you hear about that he's saying uh tom cruise is irrelevant i like the guy's still i i'm not a tom you know i'm not a pop culture guy to be honest with you i don't know movies i don't know television i don't know anything but it seems to me that tom cruise is still the number one draw in movies in the world right or am i wrong about that no i mean mickey rourke's right i mean to call out tom cruise who just his last movie from a month ago just made a billion dollars of course he's irrelevant 
Tom Cruise is never going to work again. I mean, it's like, no, it's, it's a ridiculous comment. Right. Look, everybody fits their own role, you know, or does their own thing. Tom Cruise is Tom Cruise. He's mission impossible. He's this, he plays roles that you're going to love Tom Cruise in, you know, as an but actor. He's almost my age, right? How, how old can you be and still be like an action hero? Uh, Neeson is still an action hero and he's older than Tom Cruise. Really? Right. I, I mean, age is not age is just something that we put on. Right. I mean, that's Hollywood dictated that a long time. And I think older people, I mean, I, who, Stallone, who is more loved than, who is more loved than Betty White? And she was 99. Still yeah, kicking ass. But right? she couldn't run. Like if I asked her, well, I guess there's body doubles and all Does that. But if I said, run? "Does she need to run?" <laughs> no, but Tom Cruise def- needs to run, right? In 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 his film, oh, uh, Tom Cruise. I don't know what whatever's in his water. They should sell that because <laughs> I mean, that guy looks exactly the same, right? I mean, he's like Paul Rudd, right? They don't age. Some people don't age, you know. Yeah, that's it's amazing that some people don't age and some people do all of my friends while i was talking to my brother yesterday all my friends and all of his friends are dead uh we're just like surprised that we're not because we live the most dangerous lives out of anybody and we're still here but uh, so some people are living longer i guess money has a lot to do with it the, the, and i don't i don't want to make this a, a class called uh, war but money has a lot to do with being able to live longer and have a a healthier life and but it's not a, not being i know some poor people that live longer but that the hollywood people seem to i don't know stay younger longer a lot of um and, and did you see the picture of mickey rock because i put up one of him from like nine and a half weeks and then that interview yesterday if somebody said to me like that's the same person i would have to ask for id like that can't be you <laughs> I think he was in an accident and like had his face had something bad happen to his face. Mm-hmm. I don't think that was naturally. Uh, uh, I think from either boxing or something. I'd have to look it up. But yeah, as no. I recall, there was something that there was definitely something that um, is a cause. For Looks like steroids. Uh, Actually, Val Kimler was trending because they're like. He looks like he's wearing a Val Kimler mask or something like that. <laughs> I just, I didn't see much of it. I just saw, I saw it trending on, on Twitter this morning. So I, I saw like the, the irrelevant quote. That was what they called out. But that was, on, I didn't. On Crossing the Streams, did you cover the offer at all? That's the only show that I really, uh, I haven't signed up for. I think it's on Paramount, one of those weird, uh, but I, I have to get on there and watch it the offer has anybody talked about that no but it, that's a definitely that's the one about the making of the godfather so yeah, yeah i would yeah. definitely i would definitely be interested in that but no no one's covered it yet i think someone almost did and then they did something else but well, uh, wow and that's the only one i really care about. i don't have television i rarely watch any of that if i look for something on youtube or it's going to be a documentary or something that's a science or history related stuff I get a lot of politics in my feed, of course, because I am very politically active. But if I'm searching for stuff, it's generally, you know, educational stuff. But that's that's the one show I'm fascinated by. If somebody does cover that, I have to I'll have to tune into that one. (laughs) I'm 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 obsessed with The Godfather. Movie was made 50 years ago, and I'm still. It's to me, it's like if it's on, I can't 
not watch it. If there's anybody talking about it, I can't listen. I can't not listen to it. Just obsessed with it. You have anything like that that is your? Well, like, I, I tell you, The Godfather. Anyone who's never seen The Godfather, it it should be. It's it has to be mandatory viewing because I don't know that any movie is referenced as much as The Godfather in a TV or other movies. I mean, even if you watch the original Stuart Little, you know, the, the Michael J. Fox mouse, the, uh, I mean, they reference The Godfather in that. So it's like, if you don't, haven't seen The Godfather, you're missing a lot yeah, yeah. <laughs> outside of just the enjoyment of the masterpiece itself, The Godfather. So you have to watch, one and two, I think are mandatory viewing. I've watched, have you ever watched the, um, the one where they string it all together? Like for yeah, seven yeah, hours yeah, it's, in yeah. order. Yeah. We've the Godfather watched. trilogy. Yeah. Yeah. What's uh, yeah. Yeah. I don't remember. The HBO had it where you can yeah. watch it like straight through where they put the half of two at the before one and then they put it all <laughs> chronological. So that's, that's a, that's a good watch though. I like the back and forth of two. I like, I like that too. Yeah. I like, I like all of it, but they uh, redid three. They tried to make it better. I, I haven't watched it. Uh, I think it is. You know what? I saw it when it came out on Christmas day, whatever year that was 1988, maybe 89, whenever it came out on Christmas day. And I thought it totally sucked. I was so disappointed. Watched it again about a year and a half ago. And I thought, uh, maybe I was just too prejudiced to uh, wanting it to be, what one and two were and nothing really you can't you can't expect to be reproduce that quality so maybe my expectations were too high i didn't think it was as bad as, i didn't think it was a bad movie i think it was bad because it didn't live up to the other two that's that's my take on it now. right had it been its own thing probably right people would have thought yeah. about it differently right i get you it I wouldn't have you. been a blockbuster they but it just was still, re- they recently suck. kind of re-edited it or recut it there's like a new version of it out plus the um the co- the girl coppola who was the star of it that sophia sophia coppola that she got panned a little bit but she was it was originally supposed to be winona Ryder in that role she got sick just before so that was like a last minute replacement and then um you know so and then robert duvall didn't come back right probably because he didn't think it was right to make a third movie or you know and then you know they had george hamilton in that role or the conciliarish role right uh, yeah but is there because the godfather is my thing that i can never ignore if it's on do you have something like in your i love uh, jfk and jfk I, yeah, Oliver Stone's JFK, and then also uh, of more recent, I think Matt Damon's The Martian is amazing. I can watch that movie for I any s- any moment. That's one of the last ones I've actually seen in a theater. If I think about it, I, I wonder if uh, might be the very last film I actually went to a theater to see. Yeah, I so, love that one. Love that one. And then I'm trying to think what else. Uh, if it's on, there's got to be something else. But you know, now. Uh, Let's go back to Stone for a minute with JFK. Um, I think that's a great movie. I and I would, if it's on, I'm going to watch it too. Uh, but do you think? Do you think he he's objective and fair in that, or is that Oliver Stone's um, wishful? I don't know, wishful the way he want the story he wants to tell rather than uh, telling it as it really the, the whole truth and nothing but the truth. 
Well, nobody knows the whole truth and nothing but the truth. So of course it's just Oliver Stone's version of the truth. But I think everything Oliver Stone did was his version of, of it. Isn't that true for anything? That's a movie. Even, even movies about real things are like, you know, just a version, <clears throat> excuse me, a version. I, I'm, I got it. Hang on. A version. <laughs> a, a version of that reality, right? I mean, inventing Anna that was just on, that's based on a true story. And, it, you know, they had this funny disclaimer. Most of this is true, right? Or something like that. And so, you know, if, and even documentaries are based are at the end of the I, day I based point on the yeah, point that, of view that, of the person making it. So I mean, fair, fair point on all of it. But I think Stone's original intent was to make a movie about Jim Garrison's trial of it, and I think he put some stuff in there that uh, I I don't think match. And I'm not being. Uh, critical of it i'm just you know, wondering you know where that came from and because he's still he's still very defensive uh and claims that what he made is an act, actual accurate depiction of, of the garrison experience and all that stuff and i don't think i don't think it necessarily was i think it, it was you know a little bit of dramatizing you know the the scenes the wild sex orgies that supposedly happened with the lee harvey and and some of you know the where the scene where joe pesci is made up like a greek statue getting in <laughs> to have you know at some gay orgies thing i don't think that necessarily is true i just think that that was just like put in there to sensationalize the film i don't know what do I know? But you're right. When it comes to the actual assassination and all that stuff, nobody can know that. But we can know about the real garrison. life is, you know, is boring. So of course they have to make a if it's a movie and they yeah. have to <laughs> Yeah, no. You know. I, I thought that was it. Yeah, and that's one of those films like you talk about that stuff gets referenced all the time too, the back and to the left. All all those kind of uh, little things that sneak into pop culture from that movie if you didn't know the movie you'd, you'd be missing out on a lot of life <laughs> right 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 yeah there's a whole J uh, seinfeld episode on it right? yeah yeah oh I'm yeah the only one drinking coffee on coffee with the dog by the no, way no i'm drinking coffee okay i just I got my andy andrew sticker on mine andy will be here on friday by the way andy mm. thanks to you for uh being part of that partisan uh, andy's chemo is almost done it looks like it looks like he's gonna be okay uh, which is, uh, I, I'm happy to, to report that, but I, I, you know, I had somebody on one of the comedians on the, the other, uh, not on my, on the show on social media talking about pancreatic cancer and how the odds are so small of beating that, but it looks like, oh boy, Andy's going to be all right and come through that very good. And you were a big part of helping out. I want to, uh, say thank you again for that. My pleasure. Thank you. Uh, Scott Curtis was on yesterday. And I was uh, trying to get him to say anything negative about you. And he, he, what his words were, I can't think of anything negative to say about Jeff. I said, Damn it. Can, can you think of something negative? To, I just need something something to cause a shitstorm, trouble. I need to to put, put myself in the middle of something that will grab attention. So can you say anything negative about Scott? I, you know, no, Scott Curtis and behind the bits. Damn it. Is awesome. So, damn it. Damn it. We were talking about the difference between uh, your promotional stuff 
the way you treat treat to you choose to promote your podcast versus the way he does and i think it's a uh, a good study in different approaches <laughs> to, to promotion yours is uh uh he's what he uh phrased it as uh guilt tripping people into <laughs> you, you know i have a podcast and you don't watch where his is kind of self-deprecating my podcast sucks so bad people say my podcast sucks so bad uh um, you're sticking with that forever. I mean, you seem committed to it, that you're, um, you I know, do I, it. Everything I do is more, is just more self mocking. You know what I mean? It's like, I know that, it, I mean, the people aren't watching that any more than they're watching, you know, my podcast. So it's like, it's hard oh, to, convert, I, I, but I, no. I don't know. It's like, it, you know, the joke of oh, I have a podcast came from me trying so hard to like get people that I know, you know, my Facebook friends or whatever, to listen to something that I put a lot of time into, you know, anyone who does, right? I mean, you know, if I put out that Robert Klein interview, that represents, it's an hour interview, but it represents many more hours than that, right? No, and I so, appreciate the work you put into it. You're you not know, so, like me. Yeah. Well, you know, it's, it's, like, it's like, you know, hey, you know, everyone wants to support everyone until they ask for support, unless it's something bad. Right. Right. And so it's like when I was if I had just one hour Detroit magazine and put it on, I would have got 500 likes when I asked everyone to vote for me in Michigan, you know, of the 2000 friends I have, I couldn't buy a like, you know what I mean? So it's like. You know, when you ask for that, it just, it just seems to be, it's not me. I think it's just anyone, you know, it's like, it's just a weird, it's a weird dynamic. You know, well, if I win something and put that on, I'll get a lot of likes. If I course. post something about, you know, anything, it's like, it's just crickets, but I I've come to kind of understand. All right, fine. Okay. <laughs> I don't need to like your post either, I guess. You know what I mean? It's like, I'm trying to put out, you know, free, like Scott, you, we all put out like all this free stuff and like, and just try to, you know, make the world a little better place, enjoy ourselves a little bit. And so, you know, so I just make fun of the fact that that doesn't work on, on Instagram. I started doing like, uh, <laughs> I started looking at like the stuff that people do. Like I was looking at the, what makes Instagram reels work, you know, multiple angles, you know, like change angles and always start with a hook. So I started, I started doing that and it started working, but the solution to any hook is listen to my podcast. <laughs> it's like, do you wish you had a million dollars? It's your dreams not being fulfilled because you don't have a million dollars. <laughs> do you, th well, I can't offer you a million dollars, but I can let you, you, but I can sell you to listen to my podcast, I'm which some that. say I'm are valued at a million dollars. Yeah, I mean? no, I'm stealing that from you 100%. No, I don't know how to make Instagram where I was. I had a social media uh, expert on my nighttime program last night, and I'm just so frustrated because social media. I feel like I waste so much, so much effort and energy on there, and it's so much of a time waster for uh, the, what it actually produces that it, it doesn't seem worth it to me. But I want to comment on a couple of things you said. First of all. I do think your your posts reach more people and get more uh, eyes on it 
than a podcast would because a podcast is actual work. You have to do, you put, you have to decide I'm going to sit there for an hour, no distractions. Whereas the stuff you post, I can see it. I can, even if I don't like it and then I'm just scrolling, oh, that was good. I just don't have time to ah, stop by and like everything because I'm, I'm, I'm scrolling really fast, but it reaches more people. But so that that's the part of the part of it where you actually have to actively commit to listen to a podcast rather than, oh, that's good. I like that. You know, that was kind of funny. Quick laugh and move on that whole thing. And then the other part of it is my whole life has been uh, my friends don't give a fuck what I'm doing and never have. I mean, I never had a room full of uh, friends fill uh, performance, but and I've always been more concerned about uh, performing for strangers, and I think that's what. And I wrote a book called "Talking Talking to Strangers." We'll be out sometime this fall. Uh, but I, that's my concern with podcasting too. I want to I want to reach people I don't know, not my friends. I don't give a. I know I'm I. I came to it with the pre understanding that my friends aren't gonna care what the hell I'm doing here. My friends don't even know they want what are you doing that? No, doing? I agree. I agree. It's like you you have to uh yeah, they're not going to. And you're right, it's it's a commitment. It's easy to watch a 30 second video clip. And you know, and those I have friends. I do have some friends that listen to the podcast and you know they're awesome and you know all that kind of stuff. So you know it's it's whatever. It's just I think it's more a frustration of you build up a social media following and then can't convert that to something else that you want to convert it to that would be important or useful to you. Very right? difficult. Though. I mean, you know, you think about like, you know, Hey, if just half, if a quarter of my Facebook friends just liked the podcast on Apple. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, right. And like, get reviews, you know, pull, get, getting reviews is like pulling teeth. I mean, I know even, you know, if I have a really good episode with that people really liked, I will go back and I'll see the numbers of listens and, and, and downloads and all that. And then like seven reviews, really, or two reviews. And like, wait a minute, how could 20,000 people listen to something and only two people care to say anything about it or have any response there? Now I will get emails about it, but I, the lady last night told me I need to ask which you don't seem shy about like but reviews i never see you asking for reviews you ask people to listen uh i think i have to learn to ask for reviews and stuff like that and ask people to take action on that kind of stuff because that definitely helps it helps push you up in the apple search spotify search all that kind of stuff when you got more reviews and i don't i don't i'm getting i'm skating by with none very few people review it or take the time to do it. I mean, with yeah. Spotify, I asked for all those because they added it. And so, you know, I went to all the podcasters. I'm like, you need to, we need to get a minimum. I think it was 10. Otherwise it says you're not rated. So let's, let's all rate each other so that, you know, at least it, it shows something positive since they added this, to, which all of a sudden someone's going to think is important. And so, you know, it's, yeah, reviews are, yeah, it's it's hard. It's like I stopped asking for anything on the podcast because I figure if they're there, they're listening. So that's really all I care about. And then yeah. and, you know, I've been playing with the format, you know, getting to the interview a lot faster, tightening up the beginning to try and do retention, which I think is more important. And then, you know, so it's just it's all about playing with it. But reels, Instagram reels is the only thing so far 
I've done two reels in the last couple of days and got in uh, 11,000 and yesterday, 18,000 views on one of the reels. I got I mean, to learn about this. I don't know anything about it. It's like their TikTok, but it's like, it's what they're pushing. So it's like, um, it's that, you know, I, it didn't really convert to much other than just views. But, um, can you, know, you monetize that at all? Like, if you get a, uh, a certain a specific number of views, do they do they give you any advertise? No, they don't have advertising. I, you know, I don't know. I thought they had a reels program, but I don't think I all I care about is money, than... money, 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 money. Yeah. Money. No, I'm kidding. I'm not really. Uh, well, no. I mean, it's you know. <laughs> and then uh, YouTube Shorts, you can take what you do in reels and, put in the, and then TikTok. But it's like the eighteen. I got eighteen thousand on on reels and then i put the same thing on tiktok and got a hundred and then i think i got 80 on youtube all you're doing is making me feel like i'm inadequate because i should be on these platforms but i don't I take don't... any time i just i do it live i have an idea i don't write it down i just i shoot it and i just kind of improv it and if i don't like it i'll start over and i just you know and just do it and then put it out i don't <laughs> the people i don't have time to do all these produced things i don't have the talent for that but yeah. um now uh you do something that I, I don't know anybody else who does and i know i've been active in the podcasting community a little bit to know people but you're the only one i know who has actually gone out and been like a guest speaker at some of the i don't know call them conventions pod, maybe they are podcast trade shows whatever uh you're involved in that right you you do some of that work I've done I've done it a few times for Podfest. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. Is that a actual a remote thing, or you actually go there and do it? I've done both. I I've done a remote, and then a month or so ago, I was in Orlando at their in person. Yeah. And, and what kind of what kind of stuff goes on there? Is it just like keynote speaks? I mean, what what do I if I were going to go there? What would I expect to see? Um, I, there's a lot of good presentations at any of these and then but to me it's about networking it's like meeting other people and right. so because i think the one thing i've learned from doing podcasting and stuff is uh we talk about how useful friends and family are but like other podcasters are very good people to know um and honestly that was counterintuitive to me in the beginning i thought podcasters were i don't want to say the enemy but it's like why do I want to befriend a podcaster? I want them to listen to me, not, you know, and I realized quickly that's, that's hundred yeah. percent wrong. hundred percent wrong. I, and and I, I do think, you know, the audience who likes podcast, there are people who are, who love podcasts and the best way to kind of be in with those people is to be in podcasting with podcasts. <laughs> right. I mean, it, I, the mo a lot, the feedback I get and stuff and support is from other podcasters. Yeah. And, and so, you know, that, that was, it was a great opportunity to meet a lot of people that you see online and meet them in person, um, which I think, you know, brings the, brings the relationship a little bit to the next level. And then, you know, that's, that's it. I mean, there's other ones to go to, but I mean, it's expensive, you know I mean? So, you know. Have you turned your back on your uh, stand-up career completely, or are you going back to it? <laughs> <laughs> no, I just I just did a show not too long ago. Um, next month I have a weekend. Uh, Was that the first one since the pandemic, or, or have you been doing them for a while? Uh, sporadically, I just you know uh, here and there, just because. Um, yeah, I, I'll probably get more into the loop next year. But like, I, 
you know, I had a few weekends this week, this year, I mean, and so I have a few more coming up, uh, one in August. And then I think one later in the year as well, but, it's, and then I pick stuff up here and there. It's just, you know, with the podcast and like everything, it's like, you know, how much, you know, it's, it comes down to how much time do you have, you know, like totally I make more it. money on the podcast than I do doing stand up. <laughs> so it's like, yeah. Yeah, uh, I get it. And you know what? When the when the lockdowns first started happening and we weren't playing that many shows, I was like, you know what? I'm fine if I never play a show again. I'm happy doing what I'm doing now. I love, you know, what I'm doing now. But then as I started to go out and play more gigs, I, I got the kind of bug back. Like, I look forward to gigs again. I, and I think uh, that, that there's that. Once, you, once you're out of it for a while, you kind of, you can lose interest so my i no i mean i did a sold out show with some friends of mine i don't know maybe it was a few weeks ago now but like um and you know i like i was the closer and it just means i did more time than everyone else and i think i was supposed to do 20 minutes i ended up doing 30 and it was just like it was just like boom it was like great and then, you know while you're doing it it's the greatest thing ever. You know what I mean? So it's like, there's nothing better. There's no greater feeling than making hundred some people laugh all at the same time. And you know, when you own that room and it's just you and a mic. No, I get that. Now I, I'm glad you said you own that room. It's just you and the mic. Cause I, this was in my thoughts the other night, driving home from the gig, we played four hours straight, no breaks in, in between. And, uh, I never, because I was thinking about it in terms of what stand-up comics do, especially in the beginning when you're going you three minutes and, and that's all you get. To me, I can't imagine getting hooked on that because three minutes, I want the whole, I want to own this room all night. Nobody else is getting the stage. This is my microphone. Everybody else, get the hell out of here. Mm -hmm. That would be my, and that's how I am. I don't even play because I've had uh, in my younger days, I opened up for headliners and national headliners and all that stuff. And I hated that experience because I always felt like the crowd was never there to see me. They're there to see the headliners and they're just, we're just an annoyance until, until their act that they did come to see comes on. And I always wanted to be that. I wanted to be the people, the guy people came to see. And so this whole idea of just getting, five minutes, 20 minutes, 15 minutes, whatever, half hour, that would feel really, really unsatisfying to me. We have to say goodbye to governors before you answer. So governors, if you want to know more, you have to watch Mindlock TV podcast. Uh, goodbye for the day, governors. It's time for, to say goodbye to Governor's Comic Club. Um, that whole, does it ever feel too short for you? Like, you know, you, you get 30 minutes, you're the closer, whatever it is, 45 minutes that you do. Like, it's not enough. You want it. <laughs> you um i think when you're coming up with and doing comedy um you're right it starts with three minutes five minutes seven minutes and then you you know you can do 10 minutes if you're opening a show maybe 15 minutes 20 minutes 30 minutes if you're the middle 45 minutes an hour if you're a headliner i i think the way the structure of coming up as a comedian is 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 that you're taught to anyone successful i think at it is taught to respect the time that you're given like this is the time you're given and and to make the best of it and that you're trying to move to the next level so you get more time and as you grow into it as you start three minutes is a lifetime for a guy just getting on stage right for the first time and then 
and then five minutes and then seven minutes and you grow into seven minutes and moving to 15 minutes is different. Right. I mean, it's a, it's a different kind of flow. And then moving from 15 to 30 is even different, more different in terms of being able to handle 30 minutes of time versus 15, just in the flow. When you get to 45, 60, it's a whole different experience too. When you're a headliner, cause you can communicate with the audience differently cause you have time to flex and, and be with them. So I think the whole journey of being a comedian is, is really the respect for the time you're given and, and then striving for more time. Yes. Once you're doing 45 minutes, 60 minutes, if someone said, can you just do seven? That's hard <laughs> coming up is, is it's natural progression. But if someone just goes, just do 10, it's not that you can't, it's just, then it doesn't maybe feel as fulfilling, you know? I mean, so that's hard. It's hard to go backwards. And so, cause you're like, you know, you get the taste of it and then it's over real fast. Cause you know, when you're starting out and you're doing five minutes, that's a lifetime. It's like, right. you feel like it's a lifetime when you're out there. Even and, when, but when you're starting out there, cause I did it for a very short period of my time, uh, my life. And um, the idea, you only have three to five minutes and you're probably only going to get three before they give you the light. And you want to, there's a tendency, I can't relax here. I got to be as hysterically funny in three minutes or I'm never going to get another shot at this. It's like, but when you have a half hour, you can relax and be you and kind of pace yourself and all that stuff. But the, the pressure to be really funny in a short period of time can, it's not the same you. It's not the same, you know, the audience isn't going to get the same you. And at least for me, I feel. Well, but when you start out, there is no you. It's just right. like somebody who's like just trying to do jokes. You know what I mean? So right. you have to master the three minutes, then you have to master the five minutes, and then you have to master the 15 minutes. It's a growth thing. It's like when you put, I'm sure when you're doing music, you can't play all slow tunes for 12, you know, for an no, hour and a half, yeah, right? You'll put right. everyone to sleep. So right. you understand, you understand the rhythm of a, if I'm doing a five minute set or if I'm only playing for a half hour versus an hour, this is the rhythm of the types of songs. Oops, sorry. This is the rhythm of the type of songs that I can do and, and do. And it's the same thing. It's just, you have to, you have to work the crowd and you have to un learn to do material that works in the time frame that you're doing, you know, hit strong, do this, finish strong, all that kind of stuff, you know, right. get them going, uh, keep them with I, you. I talked about opening for the major acts. Now, back in the day when I was doing that, the opening for major acts, you'd get 15, 20 minute sets and, and uh, you'd have to try to pace your, you know, because nobody really knows the how long a song is going to take, especially in a live performance or something that was three minutes in the studio. It's going to be two and a half minutes with the energy and extra speed that you put into it when you got nervous performance and all that stuff. But the headlining act, I always felt like if we did really well and the crowd liked us, they looked, they weren't happy with that. They wanted, they wanted that boo, get off the stage, bring on Carlos Santana. They want, you know, whatever it was, they, they wanted that the audience to not really want you to have any longer time. And God forbid the audience wanted you to do one more song when your time was up. You'd be like um, ostracized or punished. You know, they treat you really shitty. Uh, is that the same in comedy? Like if you do, if you're an up and coming guy and you do really look, well. Look at, look at it this way. Look at it this way is people only have so much time where they can manage anything, listening to music, anything like that. Right. So if you're supposed to do 15 minutes 
all right, of an opening set for Santana. And then Santana is going to do an hour or whatever, two hours, right? If you then decide to riff and go 30, right? So now at the end of their two hours, those people have been sitting there for two and a half hours, right? right. It doesn't sound like a big difference, but, you know, but as opposed to less than that. So you're putting more wear and tear on Santana to keep that audience going. And frankly, it was your job to make their life easier, not harder. Right. right. Yeah. So if you have open mics, right. And you have the last guy going and he's going to do 10 minutes and everyone else is supposed to do five minutes. And there's sometimes open mics can have 10 people. Right. Well, if you, if every one of those people did seven minutes instead of five, Oh, what's well, a big deal, Jeff, that's only two minutes. Well, right. But that's, that's 20 minutes. You just added to the show. So that guy, the headliner that's doing his 10, that's supposed to crush and finish it up, you know, is now going into a crowd that's 20 minutes tireder than they should have been when they go to do it. And you've just really kind of effed him because now his job is a thousand times harder and you probably messed him up. But your yeah. job wasn't to mess him up. Your job was the opposite. And yeah. You, you know, if you make it about you, you're screwing the guy that comes after you. Yeah, but it's not not always about the time. About time. Sometimes I always felt like they wanted us to suck because when we sucked, they treated us much better. I remember one time we we were playing with Pure Perry League and we opened up for them and we we didn't extend our time at all, but the crowd went nuts for us and they were and backstage, man, they they were just as rude as can be to us. They were like you know angry that we did very well, and it was like. Well, I thought that was our job to get them warmed up and excited for you and, you know, ready to party. It, it, it's weird. Sometimes the, I don't know, the personalities or the egos can really destroy that. If Santana can't follow I know, you're you, and that's on Santana, okay? Yeah, you know I mean, so, um, you know. Yeah, I mean, I would the show I was doing. No, Carlos day. was always always very nice. I'm just uh, saying, I don't, I don't mean. I'm just, <laughs> we're just using. I'm just using his name yeah. um, because we mentioned him earlier. But like, uh, you know, when I I mentioned the show, I did 30 minutes the other day. You know, the first couple guys did really good. Third guy did very good. Then the fourth guy, that right before me, freaking crushed. Like he's crushing. Like he's destroying this room. And I'm thinking to myself, oh Jesus. Now I'm not mad at him for doing it. But I'm like, oh crap, you know, because there is, science. <laughs> you know, that the bar just got raised 15 levels. Now I went out and I just rode that wave and you know crushed even harder. So it was great, you know, it was it was awesome. But you can, you know, you can't let it eat yourself. You can't let it um, eat away at you. It's just it's just the way it is. You know, what I mean, like you, you have to be prepared to ride it. Otherwise, you shouldn't be in that spot. Right. Just following you if they can't follow you. If right. the famous people can't follow you, you know, then that's on them. That's on them. Does it matter to you um, stylistically, somebody who's similar to you or somebody who's completely the opposite? Like uh, like a Sam Kinison or, you know, I'm just using this as somebody with that much energy coming out and screaming at the crowd. And then you got to follow that. Or would you prefer somebody who's much more cerebral and kind of, uh, you know, so, you know, subtle in their setups and not screaming at people like you are. Uh, would you prefer somebody more stylistically closer to your approach or very different to follow? Um, well, I think it's on the club owners and the people putting together the show to make something that rhythmically works together. Yeah. Uh, just using your example, if a Sam Kinison opens the show, 
that's putting the audience in a headspace that the next guy is just there's no way right (laughs) and it's not about not being able to follow him it's about it being so stylistically different you know i mean it's like if the guy before you is playing you know heavy metal like hard heavy metal and you come out for with pop or something like that that's a real mental shift you know i mean like you know i don't want someone talking about the same topics as me that's for sure right Uh, because again same thing with the time if if that guy talked about the same things i'm about to talk about i just you know i just got taken down a few notches only because they heard it you know what i mean <laughs> it's like they, they were already in that space i don't you know what i mean i was like it, it's hard to explain but it's like you know you wouldn't play the same song that someone yeah. played. Right? no well that that's a good because we don't uh, and i haven't for many many years because i just tired of that playing multiple when when we play, we're the only, and like we do four hours. We're going to take all four hours. We don't work with opening acts. We don't work with uh, uh, other bands. But we were hired for a very upscale wedding a couple of weeks ago, and the guy hired three bands. And uh, I, we didn't know this until we got, I didn't even know it was a wedding. The way it, it was booked, we just thought it was the guy uh, I had known who was throwing a party and wanted us there because he had sat in with our band and was familiar with us. And so we were the first band going on. We were a courtyard band where we do four hours out in the courtyard. And then there are two other bands coming on later. And it was an all-night Israeli-Jewish wedding, which is different than uh, New York Jewish wedding because Jewish weddings in New York are four-hour parties. This was something that started at 3 p.m. and went till 9 a.m. the next day. I mean, it, the Israelis know how to party like mm-hmm. you can't imagine. Uh, <laughs> but uh, so the two other bands, we got there and didn't realize they were going to be two. And they wanted our set list. Like, what songs are you going to play? We don't want to play. I was like, w- uh, we don't even know what we're going to play. We never have a set list. We um my band is a reflection of me. I don't do any work. I'm lazy. I don't do any pre-planning or anything. Uh, what do you feel like playing? Okay, we'll play that. Just, <laughs> and we have a flow. But now I felt pressure, like, oh, I got to tell these guys what what not to play and, and what they can play. It was a very weird experience for me. And I, I, So does that happen in, like, what kind of things are you going to talk about? Uh, I got to make sure I don't talk about that. Do you, does that happen? Um. We don't talk about it. No, I mean, somebody I've, I have had like a guy come up to me and go, don't do Jewish stuff. You know what I mean? Like, okay. Um, you know, or something like that. But generally, um, I purposely try to avoid everyone before first, the first show of a weekend. Uh, so I can do my set and lay it out there. Now, if I do my set, right. And sometimes, yeah, I mean, obviously if I'm doing 15 minutes, I have more than 15 minutes of material, but whatever i chose to do that first set i feel like i have rights to right now if the guy goes and does after me does a zoo joke or something like that that and then i can't it's not right for me then to oh i have a zoo joke you know what i mean yeah, like yeah. you know like that would be and i've seen people do that and then just because that's just ruining it for the next guy right and so um you know so that kind of thing i i think is so it's the other thing too is like if if you're not if you're following somebody and you see them talking about something that's really similar to yours you're going to have to cut that out of your uh, and and like kind of substitute making you know like a quarterback uh, call, calling the play at this line of scrimmage like wait a minute I, I can't do this material now that that's got to happen sometimes right that's why I, I sort of started to move towards just more personal 
comedy, like not personal, like, but the things that aren't observational. Right? right. So I used to have this really funny joke about this. There was a sign that said, killer injure a worker, $7,500 on the highways. And so I had a whole routine on it, but because that sign exists in the real world, yeah. <laughs> other comedians saw it and thought it was funny too. So the, um, you know, so there would be times where the guy before me goes, Hey, you see that sign? And then I'm like, Oh, I can't do that joke. And then finally I was just like, you know what? I don't need that joke. So I took a few punchlines from it, put them somewhere else yeah. and just moved on. And that, because I, I don't want jokes that someone else could do. And it's not like with, it's the same joke. It's the same premise, you know, it's right. like, I, you know, like, Hey, what's up with uh, the CVS? Uh, the seats are so long. Yeah. Who doesn't have that joke in their arsenal? So, uh, you know, like when you do jokes like that, someone else can do it. You know yeah. I mean? It doesn't mean it's the same joke, but it, Nobody wants to hear it. It is all the same joke when it comes down to that, that kind of stuff. That stuff that is so, uh, you know, obvious uh, observational stuff that everybody has, has in common. It does right. boil down to being the only, the only thing, like, if, and this is just an if, if it makes sense. It's not like a, like, if someone did a joke and I had a joke or something about it and I'm coming out right after them or I'm, if mostly it probably if I'm the, you know, I might go, oh my God, you know, Matt was talking about, uh, you know, going to the zoo and then maybe I'll throw out a one-liner about the zoo, but more just to call back the other guy, you know, right. throw it, get it out, you know, more just to bond with the audience. Like, Hey, I saw the same show you saw. We're here together. You know, yeah. if it works like that, maybe, but like, um, but only where I'm acknowledging that I know they, they were hearing out and I'm just going to add something All right. if it makes sense. That's just, yeah. Yeah. yeah I get it. Uh, we have to wrap this up. It's been a pleasure to have you here. Let's go into a little bit of promotional mode for people now. And I'm not sure if this matters to you. It does matter to me that consistency and letting people know when things come out. Cause I always find like, if I have a, a really, uh, important interview, uh, if people, and I let people know in advance when it's going to come out, I get bigger numbers than if just hoping they're going to show up. The, uh, the, now you're doing once a week with, with the, um, uh, classic conversations, the, 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 what I, the, I have episodes that come out on, uh, Mondays at midnight and Thursdays at midnight. Monday. Really? Why did you choose midnight? Because somebody told me 9 a.m. is the best time. But I'm just curious. Why did you choose midnight or did you, is it just haphazard? Uh, it is not haphazard. It is so uh, that when I wake up, I can see what kind of numbers uh, I get from like mostly automatic downloads and stuff. like. Okay, that. so that's Mondays? Monday okay. at midnight. So, you know, as Sunday turns into Monday and then right. uh, Thursday midnight as well. And then Thursday, sometimes I do bonus episodes. Is could be an interview, uh, and then it also could be uh, on Thursdays. Occasionally, I release what I call bonus episodes, which are highlights from Crossing the Streams. So it'd be like three segments from multiple episodes of Crossing the Streams. Gotcha. So kind of a binge watching experience. So. And um, Crossing the Streams happens live one night a week, or yeah, like uh, Wednesdays at nine thirty p.m. Eastern Time. You can follow me on YouTube right. and uh, watch there or on Twitter. It's also or Facebook. Yeah, but I hate on Twitter because, well, I shouldn't say I, all views are good views. But on Twitter, you, they can't. there's no chat room that you can monitor and, and see, you know, or do you even care about that? Do you, no, I, we people chat along and we put them on. We've got 
a series of regulars that kind of, yeah. uh, I don't, I don't know if they're where, which platform what's annoying is like when you stream on multiple, it's hard to know how many people listened, right? Because if yep. I put it on my Facebook page and my classic conversations page and YouTube, so that's three and Twitch, I only get half a viewer on Twitch and Twitter. Yep. Right. So that's four places, right? Each one of those is its own instance of the stream. So Twitter might have 50 views. Facebook might have a hundred. Yeah. I mean, so it's like people watching, it's not like all aggregated somewhere, which is, so it's hard to, that's the only annoying thing about when you go yeah. live, but, um, but you know, I don't care so much because I translated into the podcast and that gets a ton of views. Right. Me. But the difficult thing, and I will let you go, but I just have to comment on it. The difficult thing with me with having all those different, uh, platforms and, and when people ask for my numbers, it's like, it's really impossible for you, me to give you all my numbers because I have audio and I have, uh, several platforms where i'm on audio i have to check the numbers on all of those and i do have complete numbers on my host uh but finding out where they are and then the video stuff could you know i i don't have really the resources to check all the analytics of all the places that i'm doing it so for sponsorship when i'm talking about business and talking about numbers and you want to know my numbers I'm just like, I have to be honest. I'm just going to estimate here and guesstimate and all this stuff. I know what I do on YouTube. I know what I do on Facebook. But I'm not going you know, Half of you on Twitter is this, right? Somebody watching your show like this? What's a half of you? What's a half a person? <laughs> but all, all those numbers are really... Oh, that was Twitch. Twitch. Oh, yeah, Twitch, yeah. I mean, they, half of you, yeah. yeah. I got a half of... I'm watching the show like this. What, you know, what the hell is a half of you? Half a viewer. I get the email and they're like 0.5. I'm like, that. <laughs> what the fuck? Does that I didn't say I understood it. I'm just giving you the stats. Numbers, <laughs> yeah. numbers don't lie. No, I get that too, and that's why I always look at it the same way. It's like Twitch does nothing for me. Why Twitch am is, I, I, did, I only because like I can. It doesn't cost. You know, I mean, I the package I have lets me do it, so I do it, and it's there, and right. I don't care. All right. Well, we appreciate you being here, and uh, I, I I'll, you know. I'll, Hope you, you continue to grow and love what you do and continue to bring us great quality content. I'm going to listen to uh, Robert Klein tonight after my my show here. I'm, I got a slot at some time for that because I love I, I love the fact that you even got him and I'm very curious. But now I also have to find some time to listen to Burt Ward talk about um, Bruce Lee. Yeah, anyway, exactly. uh, Jeff is funny.com. Jeff, thank you for being here. It's always a pleasure to talk to you. I appreciate it. Hey, great you. to be back. Thanks for having me All back. Right. Thanks. I have to find them a button to push out. Uh, bye for now. <laughs> bye. Jeff Dwaskin, folks. Jeffisfunny.com. Jeffisfunny.com is the easiest way to access all his stuff. Hope you enjoyed that. Now, um, coming to the co-host thing, uh, I am putting polls on uh, who, he, who the audience prefers uh, as uh, the co-host. Obviously, the bar had been set extremely high yesterday. <laughs> and I don't think anybody's gonna uh, to match that. The problem is, and because I got tons of responses, uh, private DMs and and emails and all this kind of stuff. Get Cat on, get her on, um, make her the permanent co-host. It's not up to me. It's not up to me. Uh, if it were up to me, that probably would have been cemented already. Uh, I, I appreciate how. Uh, how 
with the with the flow and in the moment she is and and the perfect co-host for something like this except for the fact that uh she's not a morning person although i did notice she was up quite early today she was on twitter at 8 30 this morning <laughs> uh but just to know it's not up to me but fair enough to say um today uh today's guest co-host is probably not going to be <laughs> even in the running because she wasn't here for the co-hosting part of it and the conversation was a little bit um forced to begin with this morning and i don't think i'm being unkind to say that anyway so it's up to you folks the voting will be in uh on the polls and um as far as convincing um cat to take it uh, take it full time that's on you folks not on me because i don't want to be the pressure guy anyway you know how i feel about that anyway i have a show tonight um patrick t belly is that patrick i'm sorry let me just get, make sure. I think it's Patrick. Um, oh, Simon. <laughs> Simon and Patrick, all the same thing. Simon T. Bailey has written a book called The Power of Women in Your Life. Interesting, right? Are you interested? The Power of Women in Your Life. He'll be with me at 8 p.m. tonight. And then tomorrow, uh, William Conway uh, will be co-hosting with me. And who's the guest tomorrow? I should know this off off the top of my head but i don't uh oh mike zinn mike zinn is the guest tomorrow uh so uh, join me then we'll we'll see how that goes thanks for coming have a great rest of your day and uh don't forget to um turn on your radio
listen to me, listen to me now. Listen to me, listen to me, listen to me now. Listen to me, listen to me, listen to me now. Listen to me, listen to me, listen to me now. 